Hello, lady leaders. Thank you for joining this week's episode on the Military Woman Podcast. I am your host, Sharika Labrie. And today I'm conversing with Captain Lauren Glover, who was the first female commander of the U.S. Army 3rd Infantry Regiment in 2014, otherwise known as the Old Guard. This was a light and inspiring conversation with Lauren, who at a young age crossed a line that no other female had crossed before. And she did it with grace and fortitude. And she's a true role model for all the ladies now, as well as all the ladies to come. Thank you for listening. Listeners, we have Lauren Glover here today uh, to just talk to me and tell me a little bit more about her experiences while serving um, in the military. Uh, Lauren, hello, how are you? I'm great, very glad to be here, how are you? I'm great and I am like honored that you decided to take your Saturday morning (laughs) (laughs) and spend it here on Zoom with me and all the listeners who may be listening. And uh, yeah, I'm just really thrilled to hear your story. So just start off, tell me a little bit about yourself, like where you're from. Okay. Um, I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio, um, and I guess I'd go into my, my little spiel about how I got to the military. Yeah. So, uh, my mom is an Air Force vet. Um, my dad's a firefighter, so, you know, civil service has always kind of been a big thing. Um, my parents wanted my brother and I to be open to different opportunities. Even, of course, though, you know, when you see them in their uniforms and their different activities, that's what you're drawn to. Um, and so going into college, I knew I liked psychology, wasn't sure what I wanted to major in, but went down that path. And eventually I was like, I think I really like this career path. I think I want to work with military personnel. Um, I had met with a recruiter to explore different options within the military and psychology. Um, and he said, you know, with a degree, you can go into uh, the military as an officer. You can kind of get that background, that information and talk a bit about you know, civil affairs and psychological affairs, but also that you could be a psychologist in the military as well. And I said, well, why not, right? I know some about the military, but not a whole lot from my own vantage point. And I think this can make me a better um, technician in work- mm-hmm. working with this population. So um, I joined in 2011, that fall, uh, okay. went to basic training in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Uh, I went to, through OCS, um, in Fort Benning, and then I went on to military police Bullock um, in Fort Leonard Wood. Okay, wow. Is that like a going military police? Is that like the path <laughs> of a psychologist or like someone that's, you know, has a psychology background, not a psychologist, you're, you're working on that part. <laughs> but you know, is that a typical route, I guess you can say? I don't think so. I uh-huh. think, you know, we all hear the stories about uh, <laughs> different people working with recruiters and them saying things that don't necessarily turn out how they, <laughs> they say it. And I think I might've got caught up in that a little bit, but that's okay. You know, you realize it a little too far in and you just make the best of the situation. You roll with it, right? <laughs> right, right. So, um, you know, looking at the different opportunities, um, what branch to pick while in OCS, Mm-hmm. Um, my mom actually started out security forces with the air force and then she transitioned over to recruiting. And so I was like, oh, that's cool. That could be something my mom and I have in common with, I don't know, but learning more about the MP Corps, they really go everywhere and do kind of everything sometimes because they get attached to different units. Um, I'd say they might be the jack of all trades branch. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I can do this, mm-hmm. um, kind of have this connection with my mom. I can be in garrison, but I could oversee. So wherever my journey takes me, I think it might just be enlightening wherever it goes. And okay. that's what I went with. Okay. Well, just quick question. So your mom was in the Air Force and you went to the Army recruiter? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so there was an Army recruiter at my uh, university. So that was mm. kind of like the first recruiter that I ever talked to. Um, he was just, you know, somewhere in some building, just cross path, asking some questions. So, of course, when I follow up with my mom, she's like, wait a second. You know, we're an Air Force family. My brother's Air Force. Uh, I have another cousin who's Air Force. So this was the thing we had to figure out. Um, I did end up talking to an Air Force recruiter because my mom asked me to. Um, but their process to um, becoming commissioned was a lot longer than the Army at the time. And I wanted to immediately go ahead and, and move forward with my career and figure out what I wanted to do instead of waiting. And so I remember I actually got a call back from that Air Force recruiter uh, right before I commissioned in the Army. And at that point, he said, okay, we got some openings. Would you like to try now? And I'm like, I'm through basic. I'm almost through you know, OCS, 
like, come on, but right. you know, yeah, it just, that's just <laughs> the way it worked out. So my mom didn't love it, but she's very proud. And here we are. <laughs> I'm sure. And things wouldn't have turned out how they would have if you would have joined that Air Force, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> Way more opportunities in the Army, I tell you, for any Air Force people listening. Join. Join us. <laughs> so, okay. So you are MP. What was your first? So you were, you, you joined in as an Army Reservist, right? No, I went active duty initially. Okay. Sorry. You went active duty. So what was your first duty location? Um, my first duty location was Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. I spent 13 months down there. What? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, wow. As <laughs> you were a second lieutenant, right? Yes. yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. So I. So how was that experience being? A, I can't imagine there's a lot of people in Cuba. So were you like, you know, one of 10 females or just happened to be... <laughs> <laughs> like what was that experience like yeah. so Cuba was very interesting opened my eyes to um you know how the different services work together they have a joint task force down there with okay. the coast guard um and the navy so the coast guard kind of does the the border sort of stuff um protects the borders of the part of the island where the um, detention facilities are you have the navy who make up most of the medical facility personnel you have the army that kind of works in the detention facilities and does that sort of stuff um, and I think the Marines do some security operations as well. So it was very neat to see, you know, that inner, <clears throat> the inner service sort of stuff working together. Um, but, but because, you know, you have a lot of medical personnel, of course, you have more females because we tend okay. to make up those sort of jobs. So as far as, um, you know, the detention facilities and those females, yes, we were a bit less, I'd say maybe 20% of um the people working in detention facilities those mps were probably female maybe i'd probably say 30 maybe um but even less uh female lieutenant so i think i was one of two or three while i was down there but there was a few captains um and then of course the medical personnel my housemate was a navy nurse and she kind of brought me into her family so then i had you know those people and i felt pretty comfortable even though the guys were nice too it's different when you're the only female you want to have someone who kind of gets it right especially being overseas you know and this is your first duty location like you're newly 20 (laughs) 21 22 right when when we join and uh and you're overseas so yeah well I hope it was a good experience because my first duty station was overseas but it was Korea so it was a big city whole different ball game so oh, fun so yeah. fun <laughs> uh, um so man so military police that's pretty exciting stuff so you went from cuba and then you went to where where, where was your follow-on assignment you got out and what happened yeah. after cuba um, my follow-up assignment was uh fort meyer in virginia arlington virginia okay. right next to arlington national cemetery Um, So I spent, I think, about a year in the military police company company doing, you know, security operations um, for the post and then as well as in Arlington National Cemetery for the arrivals. I did a Memorial Day security mission for um, President Obama and some other things. So I got to do that, which was really cool, really neat. Another high visibility location, but of course you learn a lot more when they're high visibility. So that was interesting as well. Okay. So is that when you first saw the drill team? Yes, that was when the first saw the girl team blown away. Yes. Yeah, and you, and that's when you were like, man, I want to be on the drill team or I want to be the commander of the drill team. Actually, initially, I just was like, wow, that's really awesome. I uh-huh. didn't even really think that that was an opportunity because you know you're part of the old guard, you're part of the third infantry regiment, but you're almost like I hate to say it, but like the redheaded stepchild. Like you, you are an MP versus all these infantry people. Um, and then they treat you okay, but you're just kind of, even though you're there, you know, it's kind of, you're kind of like um, Guantanamo Bay on the island of Cuba. You're, mm-hmm. you're there, but you're not really integrated because you have such a different mission. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember seeing them, you know, seeing the caisson platoon, seeing the full honor ceremony, seeing all the stuff, you know, talk had to offer, but not really understanding where I would fit into it because I was an MP, but then slowly recognizing that as an officer within TOG, everyone has a responsibility to contribute to the ceremonial mission. So then I slowly got pulled into different opportunities. Um, I like to say that I was kind of like the token black female, you know, I fit in these different demographics and at the old guard, they really want to show the, the entire army through their presentations 
in their ceremonies. So when you fit these criteria, then you represent these different demographics of the entire army. So then I walk in, female, check the block, black, check the block. Here we are. Can we get her into some of this stuff? Okay, so were you seeking them or were someone like seeking you? Like, did you raise your hand? You're like, hey, I'm, I'm interested. And then it was like, oh, perfect timing. <laughs> you know, we were just looking to check those boxes. Like, was it timing or was it just like you were persistent or, you know, was it the people that you were associated with was like, hey, go check, you know, go try here, go try there. Cause you make it sound like it was just real easy. You walked in said, hey, I wanna be part of this drill team. And they just so happened like we were looking for someone that was female and black, <laughs> you know? And we didn't know where to look, but you walked right to our door. <laughs> okay, so let me backtrack then a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So um, typically lieutenants who go to um, Guantanamo go right back to Fort Leonardwood and then they might do some things there, maybe some exo duties and they go on to the career course. I wasn't really interested in going right back. And so I asked my branch manager, is there anywhere else I could go? I'm really open to new opportunities. And she said, hey, you can go here. Didn't know anything about it, but okay, cool. Come to find out most people apply to go there. It's this, it's this big thing. Like my peers were so highly regarded, um, especially in the, on the infantry side. The military police side, it was more general, but those guys Guys, even still like they knew the standard and the standard was high so immediately when you get into this space you're like all right this is cream of the crop I gotta rise to the occasion and make sure I'm presenting myself in a very similar way to all these other people I see shining so then I get to the unit of course you meet your commanders and your your raiders your senior raiders all those people so when I met the battalion commander um, you know he's talking about the unit welcoming it, me in and then he says at some point during this meeting he says stand up and I go okay so I stand up and he's a little bit taller than me. And he says, okay, you got good height. We need to get you ceremonially qualified. And I said, okay. And I, you know, I had heard about this, right? Like you have your, your MP duties, but you also have this ceremonial side of it. So like when the entire battalion has some sort of uh, big ceremony that they're supposed to be a part of, you need to be standing out there ready, using your saber, doing all that stuff. So, okay. But um, that's when things started to change. And I think that's where my whole thinking of I'm checking these demographic blocks come into play because then I was being asked, okay, can you do this twilight tattoo? Can you do spirit of America? Can you, and, and I like them. So of course I'm like, oh yeah, I would love to. Um, I'm doing a good job. I'm interacting well with these other people. So then I just got more opportunities and, you know, had to balance my military police duties as well. But that's kind of how it got there. And then um, I'm getting to the end of my year with the military police unit. What am I going to do next? Mm -hmm. um, the XO, the battalion XO at the time asked me if I was interested in the tomb, leading the tomb. And I was like, wow, what an honor. Like, that would be great. But uh, shortly before that, I started to get to know the team a bit better. So as my year with the military police, uh, as a platoon leader with the military police company was going, I got to meet um, the platoon sergeant of the drill team and more people. Mm -hmm. And he was like, if, well, if you like it, why don't you try? And I'm like, in my head, like that was never a thought because I understand that I'm kind of separate as a military police officer. Mm -hmm. And this is a traditionally male infantry role kind of thing. You know, it's those things that we don't realize in our society because representation matters. Because right. I never saw a woman doing it because I never saw any women around. I don't see my opportunity in this path. I like it. And that's where my mind stopped. So talking to him, my husband, um, he's an avid basketball player. He was playing in the gyms and he was around and somehow they crossed paths and somebody else. Some backdoor stuff is what I learned after the fact. But I think that platoon sergeant had encouraged my husband to talk to me. Mm -hmm. And so my husband said to me, and I always like to say this because I think it's really important because when we try to break down barriers and glass ceilings and things, it's not just us. We have to have those opportunities and support from that demographic that's allowing right. us to kind of come into, into play here. Mm -hmm. So these men were part of my journey and my story. And I had really great men behind me supporting me as I went. But my husband, I remember he said, you know, are you interested in this? And I was like, yeah, but, and he was like, no, you let them tell you, no, you go for what you want and you see how it works out for you. So then I was like, okay. So when they asked about the tomb, I've in the, you know, the conversation circled back and I said, you know, this is a great honor, but I'm, I'm also interested in the drill, the drill team. Is that a possibility? And he said, you know, let me see. And about a month later, they got back to me and they said, okay, yeah, we can give that a go. So that's kind of how it works. That's awesome. So 
so what I'm hearing is that there were men that you were, you know, working with or, you know, associated with from MP through the the taps and that whole little area. And they were like encouraging you all along and prepping you almost for a position that you didn't even know was available to you. I mean, that's crazy. And here there's some backdoor talk between your husband (laughs) and and a sergeant. And I mean, and there, oh man, that's, I mean, that's a good story. I mean, because you do, you need everyone to break these glass ceilings. Just like you said, you need everyone on board for it to work out and, you know, to, to keep growing in the military. So shoot. Okay. So now you're on the team and uh, not not even on the team so was it like so you were like okay I'll try out for the team when did the commander part come in um so with the drill team those soldiers do have to try out to actually make the team okay um, and making the team when we say make the team we might also say break drill and this is you're you're trying out you go through the um the the whole what do we call it? There's a whole, there's a whole terminology of, obviously I'm not using as, as much these days, but you go through their training and then they tap you to be in the platoon. And then you have to try out to actually be in the performance squad for the leadership. It has to go through your chain of command to, to see if they think you're a good fit to represent them. So okay. once they said yes, then it was just, okay, you know, in a few months, you'll do that trade out and with the, with the current, you know, drill team commander. So we did that. And then I just became their platoon leader. I didn't have to try okay. out per se. It was more of, are you interested? I put my hat, my, my hat in, in the ring with right. the other people who were interested. I think there were some other um, infantry platoon leaders. And then from there, they were like, okay, we think she can do this. And they gave me a shot. That's awesome. And you represented really well. I mean, just yeah. talking to you, the, 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 uh, the, not reports, but the other interviews that I listened to, I mean, man, you're very eloquently you know, uh, yeah, you're just eloquent. <laughs> and you do have, you have a, quite a fan club for sure. Um, dang. So, so now, you know, you're the commander of the drill team um, at, but let's, you know, go into that a little bit. It sounds like so far, everything's just kind of right, again, right place, right time, right people around you. You're in this position and, you know, I was, there was one that was like, every time y'all went perform, were you always introduced as the first female, <laughs> I, or was our first African-American female commander of the, was that always the case? Um, I think once we started, yes. But <laughs> I, again, I think I'm going to pull you back so we can get uh-huh. some context. Yes, so, please. And I think this is important as well to say with our conversations with glass ceilings, a lot of people think, oh, we break glass ceilings and it's great and everybody loves it and it's accepted and then we move forward. But that's not how it happens. Um, we talk about it within psychology. When you have a family system and something changes, there's often, often a rebound. There's a pushback for it. So um, when I got tapped and I moved to the drill team, the situation as well around the drill team is, and I didn't know this, was a few years before we had sequestration, right? Soldiers weren't getting paid. There was a lot of stuff going on. It wasn't, it wasn't a good time. Well, the drill team at that point, uh, whenever they went anywhere, so let's say they went and performed the halftime show for the Sacramento 49ers. The Sacramento 49ers flew them out there. They paid for their hotels. They gave them their food. They showed them a great time. Awesome, not costing the military a dime, but the military is still able to shine, show their, their stuff, reach out, have that outreach in those moments. Um, but with sequestration, there were some conversations that said, hey, this doesn't look good where soldiers aren't getting paid. They can't take care, of, take care of their families. But yet, you know, the drill team and whoever else is traveling and they look like they're living lavishly. Mm-hmm. So there was a decision that was made that said the drill team couldn't go anywhere unless the military paid for it, which oh, limited no. the team extremely. I didn't know this. Right. <laughs> but it kind of makes sense. So if we want to make a big change, put a woman in here for the first time. Let's put her in where things are a bit slower. It's not as much, you know, fanfare, right? What? <laughs> yes, a lot of people don't know this. I learned right. a lot of this as I went because I didn't know really what was going on. So yeah. I got to the team. I'm like, okay, where are we going? What are we doing? Because I know you guys do all kinds of crazy stuff. Met, they, they met the Queen of England. There was all kinds of great trips. And they're like, oh, you got to figure that out. So that was my job. 
And then I learned, I got to figure out how to get these guys on these stages, but in the most um, fiscal way, because we can't just blow money. Like it doesn't work like that. Right. So you have no money. <laughs> money. So, so yeah. So when I got there, that was the case. Um, and then I feel like I'm a little off track, but I think I'll swing back. Um, no, it's fine. I'm, I'm getting the flow. <laughs> okay. Okay. So got to the team, realized what my job was. And, oh, and that's when uh, we started to change the script and put that I was the first female drill commander. So it's like, how do I get these drills? How do I get these people's attention? Some people okay. know about the drill people, drill, drill team. Some people don't, but people, we, we weren't, you know, in the cycle. We weren't being talked about as much because, you know, we were limited in our, our funding. So mm-hmm. what can get people's attention? And talking with my platoon sergeant at the time, well, you're new. This is a new thing. Maybe people will respond to this. I'm very into advocacy, very into working with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's start with schools. Let's use that. Let's encourage children to see that one, girls can do anything, but two, boys, you can see this too and see that they're very capable. Um, and I think that's how the converse, conversation went to kind of put, you know, when I do a drill and I'm leading the team, it'll be, you know, and today the drill team is led by their first female drill commander. Uh, I think at the time, Lieutenant Lauren Glover from Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. right? So that's how it started. Okay. Um, and then that's, I think, how I got a bit bigger because people heard that little piece within the entire script and went right. Mm-hmm. So it's a marketing strategy to say the least. Absolutely. Yeah. Huh. So the drill team was, I, I don't know if, it, if the right terminology is like an endorsement, but so they were no longer able to take free money to go anywhere because of perception. And now you have to figure out where can you go pretty much for, well, for free, <laughs> like y'all on the bus instead of a plane, you know? Uh, and however, using your title that helped just still put the word out about do everything that the drill team is, you know, I guess um, tasked to do per se, you know, putting the, the army kind of out there in a, am, am I kind of going the right way with this? So it's, yeah, I think so. Okay. But it wasn't, it wasn't just me. You, uh-huh. know, you introduce the team. I mean, the team without me is amazing. Like, right. It's a specialty between within the army that travels and has this precision drill that they present and it's silent. And mm-hmm. it, it's like, are they reading each other's minds that they're moving and, and, and simultaneously doing the same things, very difficult movements. Right. I, I'm just out there kind of looking pretty really compared to what they're doing, spinning rifles. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, you know, you always start the conversation that way, but also, you know, the army is moving in a different direction, right? We right. have these women who were in ranger school. We have the first combat engineer, all these female first, mm-hmm. and I was kind of around the same time. So if you also look at what the military is trying to do, they're trying to change their culture and open some things mm-hmm. up for women. Mm-hmm. And we're a part of that too. Right. Um, and so it was kind of just an add on to already marketing a, 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 amazing unit within the military and just saying and we're um we're moving the the military forward in our own way okay so I mean with that said was there any did you ever feel like any of your team members are I guess um your not team members since you were the commander but I mean y'all were a team technically but uh was there any resentment towards I guess the fame that you were getting you know when they were doing the hard work as you say (laughs) um I mean it wasn't said to me directly I had my own issues with Mm -hmm. coming into a very male space Mm -hmm. and being different as a military police officer and then being in charge of them so you of course you get pushback right Um, but I had pushback from my peers my team my superiors it's just like however people think about it they don't really understand and they don't know why this is a big deal or why you should have the opportunity it kind of felt like it was open season on me and people could say whatever they wanted so you go through that as you go but as far as the team being resentful we had a lot of conversations at the beginning when I first came and again very grateful to my platoon sergeant right Mm -hmm. he is an infantryman he had been with the team before I had Um, Mm -hmm. he spent time with the previous commander 
So he's kind of setting the stage of, we're gonna have her come in here, but she's not coming in here and changing anything. She wants mm -hmm. the best for you guys. And that's my mind frame as well. And so when I got there, I'm reiterating those same things is I just want the best for you guys. That's what leaders want. They wanna develop their subordinates. They wanna make them into their own leaders and they wanna see them shine in their own way as they move and progress on their own paths. Mm -hmm. So we, had, we also had conversations about you know, this is new because a female is here and, and what that means. And a lot of the guys got on board, which was really nice, mm -hmm. right? Communication really bridges a lot of gaps in understanding. And so if you can sit down and be open about it and they can give you their feedback. And of, of course it wasn't always great, but at the end of the day, I knew they knew I had my best interests at heart. So after that, it felt like we were pretty cohesive. Of course you still have your bumps and bruises because you know, you're a unit and it happens. But I never felt like the guys were like, oh, we shouldn't say the first female thing. Oh, this is, it's too much. Because mm -hmm. it, the, the whole, if you actually watch a drill, they're talking about the team and the position and all of that. If we say that's a whole five minutes or however long, it's maybe 10 seconds of them saying my name and it's over. Mm -hmm. And then we go right. right back to talking about the team. Mm -hmm. And I always talked about the team. It was never only about me. So... I, and, you know, I hope, I really hope that that's not how they felt, but you never really know. But from my perspective, I thought we had a lot of good conversations, a lot of mm -hmm. good feedback, and I think the guys were okay with it. Good. No, I mean, I, I'm sure you would have known, you would have felt it, you know, I, there's something about talking about it, but really having that resentment and acting against it. So you would have, you would have definitely known. So, and, and like you said, having those conversations at the start probably helped. Uh, deflect a lot of those negative feelings if they had any. So for people who don't know anything about the drill team, uh, just just give us just a little brief history. Like before you even, I mean, you were the first woman. Um, and how long has the drill team, you know, been up and running before that? You know, how many commanders did they have before you stepped in as the first woman commander? Um, so I'm not a, a history buff. I should be better about this, but. Um, I was the first female drill commander. Okay. Um, not the first female on the team, which was great. When I got there, the guys told me they, they know their history, right? Because uh -huh. that's part of the process too. I knew a bit more when I was there, but again, very, you know, a few years removed, but the first woman to break drill, her name, her name was Edith, um, Edith Graybill, but it's, uh, uh -huh. she's, you know, that was her maiden name. She's, uh, her name has since changed. And I've recently connected with her, which was awesome. While I was uh -huh. on the team, I was asking like, does anybody know her? Is she local? Can I meet her? It would be wonderful to meet someone who's been here before me. Uh, she was enlisted, but she actually broke drill and performed, which was amazing. Cause you know, I think she was, she's to date the only female who's done so. Um, and then there was another woman who was in the platoon, but who, who didn't break drill. Okay. So I like to make sure I correct those misconceptions because I think there's um, there's information out there that isn't actually correct. And I think we right. really need to highlight that there were women on the team too. Um, I was just the first in my role as the commander. Okay, no, thank you. That's, that's, that's something, right? And these yeah. things don't get documented. I don't think they get documented. If they do, they're tucked behind some, you know, I don't know, some article in a paper somewhere. No one reads papers anymore. <laughs> But yeah, I'm gonna have to look them up and maybe they'll be on the podcast one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, fortunately, uh, a, a, a director named Ethan Morris, he uh, created a documentary about the old guard. And it's a four part mm -hmm. series on Amazon. And the third episode is about the drill team. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he, he doesn't have, you know, any of the past women drillers in there, but it's some of the history is there. And, and it's really wonderful how he lays it out. So I encourage anybody who's interested and learning more about the drill team, the tomb. I think um, there's a, a an episode about the the honors, full honors, mm -hmm. um, and then the caisson. I think those are the four pieces. Okay. He actually is taking steps to make sure this history doc is documented and open to the general public, which is really neat. Okay. No, definitely we have to check that out. That is newsworthy. And uh, and just for the listeners, I think it was what I some and. I don't know. I, I need to check my facts, but 62 years that the drill team was established when you first became the, the first commander as well. So, you know, that was history definitely, definitely in the making. So, okay. Um, let's see some other questions for you. Cause that's some really good stuff. I mean, there's so many things. I mean, I'm like, I want to know about your whole life. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the drill team is part of it, but I mean, but really you had this 
I mean, this position, um, definitely high, um, you know, in the limelight per se. Uh, and are, are you, I know you're married now. Were you married? No, you were married then because your husband, yes, your husband, I'm getting my timelines confused. Your husband helped you out. So how was that dynamic? Is your husband in the military or affiliated? Yes. He is? Okay. Yes. Um, my husband and I met in military police bullet. So we're both military police officers. Oh, okay. So now that's a different like dynamic. So not dynamic, but you know, you're in this position, right? First Lieutenant commander of the drill team. And uh, he, you know, he's now like the, um, you know, you're the, the superstar and he's the, the supporting role. <laughs> he's the supporting role, right? Like your cheerleader. So, I mean, was there, how was that time in your marriage when you're, you know, you're doing a lot traveling, I'm sure you're looking for places to go. I mean, you had a very tough role as a commander. Any commander has, you know, it's my, my understanding. I've never been one, but it's, you know, 16 hour days or 24 hours, I should say. And it's just fast speed. You know, you go, you go, you go. So how was that, you know, dynamic in your, during that time with your marriage? Yeah. Um, I'm just very fortunate to have a husband who, is not super affected by a whole lot. And I think, I think uh, things have gotten a bit bigger since I left the team. Again, like when I was on the team, we kind of had to really convince people to let us come and figure this out and be patient with us as we figured out if we could get the funds for it. Um, so, you know, some people knew about it and some Twilight tattoos are really cool, but not everybody did. So the superstar thing makes me laugh a little bit because I didn't ever feel like that was what it was. Um, but yes, of course, you know, making history is kind of a big deal. He, he was just very proud and um, I have a stepdaughter. And so of course for her having these conversations, it's great that I can be a role model to her. And of course, not just in that realm, but in other realms, um, my, my, my husband has three sisters. So my husband is a champion of women himself. <laughs> and so, you know, he loves me and he just wants to make sure I'm happy. But right. uh, as well, a lot of my time when I was on the drill team, my husband was deployed. So oh, okay. um, when he was there and he could come, he was always there and it was great. Mm -hmm. He got really close with my platoon sergeant and some of my teammates, which was really cool, just a really good supporter. And a really good example of, you know, when the roles are reversed, you know, women typically are supporting their husbands. When the roles are reversed, husbands can support their wives and however they choose, right? And he found his path and was comfortable with that. And it was great to see him be that great example. Um, and so now I get to support him because I'm in school and he's in command and he's doing great. You know, you support yeah. people as, as they go. Uh, but yeah, my husband was awesome throughout the process. No real big issues. It was a bit difficult when he was gone and, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going through this thing and I felt very isolated because there was some pushback in some different ways, but he was always there to listen when I needed the support. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I really appreciate him. So besides like your husband and, and maybe your mom, like who were some mentors or did you have any that you could reach out at the time uh, just to, you know, ping ideas to or like, are you crazy? You know, just vent. Uh, I mean, I isolating, I, I'm, yeah, I can only imagine. So yeah, what did you use as your support system or? Um, well, my husband. Well, husband. My mom, <laughs> uh, my mom was great. My, my dad too. My dad doesn't know as much because he's not military affiliated, but he was always there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, friends. Um, most people just, just lend an ear. Good listeners. I, my, I feel like my tribe is a, a group of good listeners. And regardless of if they know how to fix it, they know how to validate my feelings in a moment and help me kind of parse apart what I want to learn from it and, and take forward and, and do or not do. Um, and then, and then to my platoon sergeant was great. So he's in the thick of it. He understands what I'm going through. He was always willing to listen and help as he could. Um, but yeah, I think everybody, you know, should make sure that they find those people that really make them feel seen, whether or not they fully understand what's going on. Because my best friends know nothing about the military, mm -hmm. but they know me. And mm -hmm. so regardless of the situation I bring to them, whether it's military stuff or now more psychological stuff, they <laughs> validate me and they kind of help figure out what I need in the moment. And then I go from there. Okay. So Definitely. Okay. I mean, you were one of a kind, so it's not many military. I mean, there was no other woman that you can look up to or ask questions who's been in this position, but now, you know, someone following you, you know, you are that contact, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do want to say, I forgot, and I feel so bad I forgot. 
Uh -huh. When I was in Guantanamo, there was a uh, female S2 officer. Uh -huh. I liked it. When I tell the story, I always say she snatched me up. I think she saw me. She saw that I didn't really see, I didn't see where I fit in because mm -hmm. I didn't have my uh, housemate yet or anything. She said, hey, Lieutenant, come here. And just kind of put me under her wing, had a lot of conversations about with me about, you know, what kind of leader I wanted to be, what kind of future I wanted to have, whether it was in the military or not. And mm -hmm. she was also someone I reached out to, um, Carmela Anderson. So that's oh, my that's cool. to this day. And I always appreciate her. She always makes me feel like, I can do anything. And that's what you kind of need sometimes. So absolutely. Like you can fly, <laughs> you know, cause we can, if we just try. So that's, I mean, that's good. That's really good to hear. Uh, cause yeah, it is hard to really connect to, to other people sometimes women, men in the military. Yeah. Um, so finding that one person that, you know, you can trust and talk to, I mean, you hold on to them for dear life and, mm -hmm. and, you know, our, our lifestyle makes it hard to stay connected, but we just have to make that extra effort, you know, a quick text, quick message. Hey, just thinking about you because you, you know, never know when, you know, their, their ears needed are vice versa. Absolutely. So yeah, that's very important. Okay. So, oh man, let's see. Some other questions about the, I'm, I'm like, which way do I go with this? Um, I guess just give me one, one, what was your best, our favorite, performance that stood out to you that you'll remember to this day um I feel like I'm cheating because I'm gonna talk about two a little bit oh that's fine um, I think my favorite and most meaningful one was my first my okay. first throw was actually at T.C. Williams High School here in Virginia oh, T.C. Nice. Williams High School is the high school um that their football program was um the movie what is it remember the titans it was yeah, based on that high school. And so mm -hmm. I remember walking in and looking in the hallways and have this whole uh, glass case that talks about that. And I'm like, wow, like I get to make history in a historic place. Right. Really cool. And a lot of brown and black people go to that school and I saw mm -hmm. in the audience so I could see me in those children a bit. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, that was very meaningful. And I'm really grateful that in that kind of small, intimate stage, that was my first. My second though, was is the one that when I think about, I kind of get chills because it was so exciting. Um, my my second drill was the halftime show of the San, San Francisco 49ers. Mm. And the stadium was about packed. We go out there and I remember pulling my hat down because I was so nervous, I was shaking. And I was like, I can't look. I mean, it's not, you can like, you can't see people's faces but I just can't see the mass amount of reds and, and blacks, mm. you know? So uh, we're going through our thing. The guys are doing awesome, it's going great. And then they get to my part where they say, and today the drill team is led by their first female drill commander, da 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 da. And like, it felt like the air got sucked out of my body. Uh -huh. The whole stadium roared. And of course, you know, I'm just me, little old me from Columbus, Ohio. You never have that sort of reception in life. And I got to have it in the middle of a football stadium. And I was like, you know, I didn't know how it would be taken. I didn't know you're still figuring out how you fit into this whole dynamic. But feeling that love from that crowd meant a whole lot. And I'll never forget it. So those feel like are I'm there. I have like a tear in my eye. I mean, just, oh, the crowd just going wild, you know, man, that yeah. must just be a feeling. Uh, yeah. Saying you got to experience that. That's awesome, man. So, so happy for you. So proud of you. And I mean, I'm just meeting you, but this is like, oh, I'm so proud. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um I mean we got 50 minutes left and I don't want to take up all your Saturday so I mean just as far as you know you had these pretty I mean uh, rare experience so what made you get out of you know active duty um the yeah. transition out what, what what was that like for you because I you know some I feel like you started like this as a you know first lieutenant man you you know your your career would have probably just skyrocketed. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like, you know, starting so, you know, so young in your career yeah. in such a position like that and just, um, you know, what made you decide to get out or no, transition to the that, reserves? Yeah, I get that question a lot because uh -huh. that was the feedback I got. Like, oh, you might be the future of the NP Corps. <laughs> right? Like, oh, like, again, I think I got put in some really cool opportunities just by happenstance. Uh -huh. um, I think I did well, but that's great. Um, but the reason I got off active duty was the same reason I joined the military. It's, well, I think this is time for me to go back. I think I got a really good 
education lesson and you know the military and how their families work now that I have my GI issued husband and what their lives are like let me move on and serve them in the way that I had planned on initially because um, mm -hmm. you know serving as a leader in the army is great it, it pushes you it helps you to grow and learn about yourself but that's not really where my heart was at and before mm -hmm. I really got down into the spiral of all these things mm -hmm. I need to take a time take a step to honor what I think I really wanted to do in, in, in my purpose in my heart so that's when, um, so while I was still in the old guard, transitioning off the drill team into the, into the next steps, I had gotten acceptance to um, a graduate program. And so when I got off active duty, that's when I switched and um, became a full-time student. I mean, and that's number one, for you to know what your purpose is. I mean, that's, you know, a lot of people search and search and search. Hence why I'm still in at 15 years. It took me that long to figure out what I'm going to do next, you know, because I was like, when I don't have a plan, when I have a plan, I'm going to exit the military, you know, but um, you, you know, you knew what you came into the military for, you got that experience, and then you were able to move on, you know, now, I know you before we were recording, you said you may come back as active duty or or reserve because you're in the IRR now. But, you know, the, the fact that you're you're doing what you set out to do and didn't get what's the word, I, I guess, tangled, not tangled. I don't know, but you, you didn't get um, caught up in the moment and like, where where would this take me next and and keep going and just to really figure out like, wait a minute, you know, what happened? I was going to be a psychologist <laughs> and now, I, you know, I'm still a military police, which is completely opposite than what I intended to do. So that's right. good for you that, you know, you stuck to your plan and, um, and now you're in school and when will you graduate? Uh, hopefully later on this year, um, uh -huh. God willing, finish this internship and my dissertation, which is kicking my butt, but I'm, you know, it's part Ooh, of the What's that about? Um, my dissertation focuses on how um, TBIs are evaluated with the, within the VA disability process. Okay. Um, unfortunately, Ooh. sometimes people don't get the funding they need to, to, they don't get evaluated in the ways they need to get the funding they need for the care that they need. Um, so looking at how they are evaluated, the process, if there's anything out there, if, if it's feasible to have some sort of standardization, mm -hmm. um, just highlighting this area within uh, neuropsychological assessment, which I think is really interesting, um, and how maybe I can contribute to the body of knowledge or just my own body of knowledge. It's kind of where I'm at. Wow, that sounds intense for sure, and something that that's needed, you know, to advance medicine really and advance patient care, um, for sure. Well, good luck with that. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm glad I'm not in your shoes, but you will, you will, if you can do what you did in the military, this this should be you know, easy walk. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, right. Um, now, as far as, um, gosh, I was, I had a question for you, and it just went really slipped my mind. So um, in school right now, I, I know you said something about, you know, after your, your time as commander, you've actually gotten more, um, you know, it, it, it became bigger really after your time at in that role, in that command role. So can you just elaborate really on that? Like, what is it like now? Are people recognizing you on the street? Are you getting calls for, for, show <laughs> for showings? Are, you know, you, you know, because this was the year, what year was this you were a commander of the drill team? 2014 through 2016. There's only okay. like um, about 18 months between the Okay. That group. okay. What about, you know, are, have other women reached out to you? Like, hey, how did you get into that role? I know I've saw some comments like, man, I really want to be you one day. Like, what did you do? You know, are people directly reaching out to you? Like, um, not so much directly, um, but I have had some conversations whenever I'm, you know, if, if someone does get me to do some sort of speaking engagement or anything else, I might get those. But mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, I think I'm a pretty normal person. Um, you know, every once in a while, like uh, for last month, Black History Month, the old guard put out, you know, um, a picture of me and, and talked about me uh, or just said, you know, I, I think they said I was the first black female to do it, but I was actually the first female. I like to make sure I say it that way because mm -hmm. um, it might make it seem like there were others before me. I was the first one period, but 
very glad they put that out there. But then of course it kind of drums up a little bit and then people might reach out, but for the most part, they don't. I also think, um, and I don't, I don't always say this, but when I got to the drill team, so my husband's not very active on Facebook, social media stuff in general. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first got to the drill team, there was a lot of negative pushback from the civilian side, different people, mostly males. Um, and so I actually put his name into my profile on Facebook to kind of hide myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause there were some people who found me and sent me mm-hmm. some messages. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes men tend to respect other men more than they do women. So I also think that might hold people back from reaching out. They're not sure if it's me, which is kind of good. I don't want a whole lot of, you know, um, people reaching out. I mean, I'm more than happy to speak to kids or different people. I've I've spoken at my, um, my undergraduate institution for like a veterans day thing. If it's something like that, it's totally fine. Um, and I would mentor people if they wanted it, but for the most part, I don't get a whole lot, which is okay. Uh Um, shortly before I actually got off active duty because a lot of different, I don't want to say advertising, but posters and and, and media come out of Fort Myer, right? They use those soldiers for posters and different things. There was a new sharp uh, campaign coming out. I didn't know this, but I actually worked right down the hallway from uh, PAO and I knew Uh the PAO head very well. It was really, really nice guy. Um, He actually opened up some doors for me in different things as I transitioned to the role. And this one day he said, hey, hey, lieutenant or captain, whatever I was at the time, he said, come, come over to my office, put your, um, put your blues on and come to my office. I said, okay, because he's a major, I, you know, right, sir, be there in the So went down there, had me sit in this room, bunch of like lights and they were taking pictures. He's like, don't smile, just kind of look reserved and serious. So I did and took some pictures and I didn't ask any questions. I went back to work and then I got off active duty. I'm a couple months into, um, you know, my program. And then some people are pinging me on Facebook and they're saying, is this you, is this you? And I ended up on that sharp thing. So more often than not, when people see my face on these random posters, they're like, hey, I saw you in Hawaii. Hey, I saw you in Korea. Hey, I saw you for Knox. And that's always fun to check in with people and laugh about this medium campaigns i never thought i'd be on any sort of posters so that was cool <laughs> so random right very random yeah. <laughs> come to my office in your blues and here you are taking pictures like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no questions asked <laughs> no i had no idea my mom's like do you get royalties from this stuff and i'm like no. <laughs> You're like, you know, mom, I had to find monies in the military for us to travel. No, yeah. I don't get any royalties. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> this is not the Air Force. Actually, yeah, I actually see it. It's uh, my husband actually got a poster. He was able uh-huh. to kind of sneak one out of somewhere he was working. So he framed it for, for me and gave it to me. So I have one of my own posters. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That is really funny. And then I, the listeners can't see, but there's some de- wall decor on in the back. Do y'all all exit with with some some trophies? Uh, no. So um, when I was on the drill team for the, uh-huh. for the guide on, they uh-huh. have a guide on, but their guide on the numbers are backwards, so it's okay. accurate. So I bought my own that I you know let them use while they were there, and then I took it back with me so I could have a memento. I love uh-huh. mementos or whatever. And then I have two um, two rifles. Uh-huh. Um, and so this one, the one on the left, it's like plastic. It's a little blue and faded. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it's, it was so crazy while I was there. I, I, as I didn't know as much about drill. Like the depth of drill and, and ceremony is so big. There's, this is underground kind of thing. And it's so cool. I had some drillers on my team that are like world renowned drillers that go to actual competitions and just do the most amazing things. And so he gave me this training one. And he was like, yeah, if you ever just want to throw it around and practice and figure out if you could actually do this, here you go. So <laughs> don't um, hurt yourself. <laughs> every, every once in a while, I'll go in the backyard and pretend I'm doing something. <laughs> and then the one on the right is I bought a 1903 Spring, Springfield rifle, which is the type of rifle that the team uses. Mm-hmm. I bought my own, found it, I stripped it, I sanded it. The guy showed me how to do it to make it look really nice as if they were going to use it. And then at the bottom, it's, it's kind of hard to see, but it says first lady. Because while I was on the team, that's what they called me. I was like the first lady sort of thing. So. Oh, man, that's that's nice. That, that's really cool, though, that you went out and, and, you know, got your own stuff. And then that you were, you know, given one as a gift from yeah. some well-renowned drillers. Oh, 
Yeah, that's that's crazy. I mean, that's I mean, such an interesting story, Lauren. I really appreciate you enlightening me on that side of the military, because I mean, you did mention like, you know, a lot of the, the women are in the medical space in the military. And that's that's me. You know, I know the hospital in that bubble. So seeing other women doing other very interesting, unique things, it's I mean, it's it's great to talk about it for one and, and you know, spread that word. So there has not been any other ladies in that position since you, am I correct? Yeah, as far as I know, there haven't been, hopefully sometime soon. Unfortunately, while I was on the team, I was trying, 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 but I couldn't get any females over, but I really encourage anyone who's interested in to give it a, give it a go. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, it's, if, you know, if you're not infantry, it, it doesn't look like the typical, you know, ORB or uh, the, the boards for the, the enlisted side, but it's still a really great opportunity. This is still a specialty unit within the United States Army and it shows mm -hmm. a level of, of, of performance and, and excellence that I think can mm -hmm. set you apart from your peers. So I would definitely encourage any woman who's interested to give it, give it a try. That's awesome. And I mean, I, you know, some takeaways from your story too is like just being open, right? I mean, you just called the branch manager and was like, you know, uh, Fort Littenwood, that sounds great. Everyone does it. You know, I, I, I came, I joined the army to see things, do things, be a part of, you know, some, some weird things, not weird, but you know, different things that you just wanted to experience, you, you know, different things. So what you got? Oh, here, here, take this. Oh, okay. Never heard of it. I'll go there. I mean, that was, I mean, Ames kind of makes it different. I don't know if you've heard about, well, your husband's in as well, but this whole Ames, uh, that's what I kind of worry is going to take away from, uh, you know, some people, you everything is available that's available everyone can see it but you know again not knowing you would never click oh drill team commander I don't know if that's what it looks like in Ames but I'm sure it doesn't but you know you because you're a woman and you didn't think that was even an option for you you know what I mean so I do hope that with Ames that these opportunities aren't um just not 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 given but yeah it's just not available yeah. because people don't know you know that they can't hold these roles um yeah. you know I don't know it's just it's just crazy how the army is just continuing to change and we just have to be ready for that change Absolutely. so yeah. you did your time hopefully you know you do come back as a psychologist I know the 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 government needs psychologists <laughs> oh, but I know you also want to tend to the community as well do you think you'll you'll well no do you think you'll stay in the Maryland area I don't know. Um, uh -huh. You know, my husband likes his job here, and I have okay. friends here, but um, neither one of us originally from here. So, if okay. we move closer to family, we don't know. But wherever the best options are, but if, of course, if you're interested in government or military work, this is a really, really good area. Yeah. So we'll see, but I'm not okay. sure yet. Yeah. Well, I look forward to following your future career. Mm -hmm. I know we'll stay in touch for sure. And uh, man, thank you, thank you again for your time, and I hope you have a good rest of the weekend. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's really nice to talk about this stuff uh, with you. You're, I mean, this is great. And thanks for having me and thinking of me to have me on this, this podcast that you have. So very wonderful. You have a great rest of your weekend as well. Thank you. Wow, wasn't Lauren amazing? She is a phenomenal woman. Thanks again for listening. And if you like today's episode or any of the previous episodes, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or any of the platforms that you listen to the Military Woman's Podcast on. I would love to hear from the audience to make sure I'm doing this thing right. Thanks and see you next week.